shot in the end zone. Double coverage, but Randy Moss comes down with it. Unbelievable. Double coverage. He split the defenders. And he makes the score. Five seconds left. This is for the win for all intents and purposes. The play clock running. Culpepper making an audible. Drops the ball, picks it up. He's going to go in for it. And he will make it. Dante Culpepper gets two. And the Vikings sideline has gone nice. This team that we're looking for next year. We're improving It's now. the Going for Two podcast. Now, join your hosts, Ben and Kate. All right, and welcome back, everybody. This is the Going for Two podcast. I am your host, Ben, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Caleb. How is everybody doing this evening? Caleb, how are you doing, man? I'm doing just fine. Preseason, finally done, out of the way. And We're now into we, final cuts. No, we are. We are into final cuts. And final cuts, man, I'm telling you, every single bit, and this is why the NFL works so well for me, just and why I just enjoy it so much, is every facet of the season, there's always something that's enticing. Final Cuts has been a storyline this year, and I have really loved it. It has been. Uh, there's been some big names that have been cut, uh, which we're going to get into during the podcast here, I'm sure, as we roll down through the line. Um, but yeah, some eye-openers. There's some good free agents left out there now. No, there really are, and we're going to start to see some of these teams make some surprising cuts. Um, a couple of them have been a little eyebrow-raising, but when some of these teams have really made some big cuts, um, and we're going to start seeing them kind of plug-and-play with some of these uh, cast-offs from other, some of these other teams, which is, you know, it's kind of exciting because we've really seen some big-name guys get thrown back out there, and I know some teams have some pretty surprisingly big holes here, and it's going to be interesting to see some of the player movement. Yeah, yep, definitely. Um Practice squads will be filling up here soon, I'm sure. Teams will be starting to hit the waivers. And, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where everything shakes out and who lands where. No, I, I can't agree anymore. So tonight, for, for tonight's podcast, we're going to kind of go over some of the big highlights that are some of the big storylines that are kind of hitting the NFL this year, um, or at least since the, the last time we recorded in week two. We are also going to be breaking down the AFC, taking a look in depth at each one of these teams, kind of their season outlook, whether we're in or we're out on them, kind of taking a look on forecasting what they may be doing. There's some that are surprising. Um, there's some that aren't surprising, but um, we'll be taking an in-depth look at each and every one of them. Uh, Caleb, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. So the biggest storyline that we have coming for us this week, we have three major storylines that I want to touch on. The first is Jonathan Taylor, and I know Caleb is just itching to inform us and give us his opinion on Jonathan, the Jonathan Taylor situation. Caleb? So, yeah, as of today, Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter, Scheffler are saying he is going to be not an Indianapolis Colt by the start of the season. He, They are for sure this dude is probably going to get traded. So... The number one landing spot that I'm seeing right now and the most traction is for the Miami Dolphins to go and work and wheel and deal and get them into Miami and a Miami uniform somehow or some way. No, I couldn't agree anymore. I mean, honestly, the way I've been looking at it, I've been following this. It seems like every big name running back that's been hitting the market or has become available has definitely been kind of making their rounds in the Miami rumor mill. So, I mean, I think they've definitely got to be in on them, man. Other than Miami, I'm not really seeing anybody else there or that may, may be willing to pull the trigger. I've been hearing whispers of Philadelphia, but it, it seems like Philadelphia has become the New England, and they're kind of in on every one of those rumors. 
Yeah, it just doesn't make sense, I don't think, for Philly to pull the trigger on, um, you know, salvaging the farm for this one guy. I mean, Jonathan Taylor's good. He's a very unique talent. But you and I have this old philosophy that we always go back to. Running backs have a very short shelf life. No, they they really do. And we've seen that even in more recent years. I think we've touched on that each episode from this coming season. My biggest thing here is I think one of these teams like a Philadelphia, like, I mean, we saw the New York Jets go out and pay some money to go ahead and get Dalvin Cook. So I'm against it. But the one thing I will say is if you have a ready, like, you know, a, a Super Bowl contending roster, I'm not completely opposed to it. It seems like running backs are a little plug and play. So I'm not against it if you can get them on that rookie deal. I think if Philadelphia would pull the trigger on that, um, they're kind of going into the season. It looks like Rashad Penny is listed as their starting running back um, with DeAndre Swift kind of filling in there as well, kind of in that pass catching role. So, I mean, I wouldn't be against that. That team would just be freakishly scary on offense and defense. I mean, they may be the most complete team in the NFL. So I wouldn't be against it. I would hate it for fantasy purposes. That would be a nightmare, but I'm Caleb. I'm so shocked, man. We're talking about a 24 year old running back. Who's the former offensive rookie or offensive player of the year. And we could be seeing him moved after one down season, uh, coming out of kind of a, kind of a mess there in Indianapolis. Yeah, mess is an understatement. The whole thing has turned into a dumpster fire, honestly. Uh, What I was calling Houston two years ago with get your paper bags ready, just go ahead and start handing them out, Jim Irsay. No, I I couldn't agree with you anymore. And I mean, quite frankly, you have to start feeling bad for Anthony Richardson. I know we both, I mean, at least I kind of faded Anthony Richardson. I'm not the biggest fan of him. I wasn't the biggest fan of him coming out, but... Man, you got to feel for the guy. I mean, what does he have to work with right now? What, Michael Pittman? Michael Pittman Jr. Um, yeah, that's about um, it. <laughs> not much. It they they might be. You know, he may be thrown to Marvin Harrison Jr. So it may end up work out working out for him here in the end. But you know, kind of touching on dumpster fires. The other storyline that we kind of want to touch on were the Arizona Cardinals, which seem like they are in full rebuild mode. It looks like they are completely tanking. You know, they have Kyler Murray is, has the four games that he's going to be missing at the beginning of the season. So, and everybody thought Colt McCoy, you know, experienced backup quarterback is going to start the season for those first four games. Nope. They cut him today. So that's Hippie kind X. of the big move. Yeah. I think everybody, every team out there, Cincinnati Bengals are kind of looking at Colt McCoy salivating, realizing you've got a guy who's in his mid thirties. He's still got some football left in him. He's got a little juice in the arm. He's got experience and he's the biggest part is he is 100% willing to be that backup quarterback. He's kind of made a career of it thus far. So, I mean, I think we're going to see him probably in the next two to three days, definitely before the start of the season, we're going to see him on a roster. 100%. Uh, I mean, I could rattle off 10 teams that would take him as their backup right now. So No, I, yeah. I mean, he's, he's not, he's not going to be on the market very long, not very long at all. The the other big news out there is there is rumblings going on that Jordan Jefferson, they are going to be getting him under contract. Minnesota is going to be signing him to a historic size deal, and he is going to be in camp by the start of the season. I don't know if you had any comments to throw in on that one, Caleb. Uh, well, I call him Justin Jefferson. So no, I always <laughs> am calling him Jordan Jefferson. Two LSU guys, wrong right years. Now, yeah. About yeah, a decade right separated. But yeah, um, I think they're they're going to get that deal done for sure. Um, no doubt in my mind that they're going to solidify him and lock him up long term, uh, especially with uh, 
all these question marks that the media is giving Kirk Cousins. Like the guy hasn't led led numerous teams to the playoffs before. So I think they're going to sum up that and that offense is going to roll into the season. No, I think they're going to be fine. I think they're definitely going to get him into camp. I mean, they kind of started selling off pieces to free up enough cap space so that they would be able to sign the guy. So yeah, we'll see what happens there, but um, I am incredibly optimistic. They're going to get him in camp here. Yeah. All right. So that kind of covers that uh, the introduction kind of going over some of the big name news. I want to throw in one last little tidbit that kind of broke here later in the evening. Derek Barnett of the Philadelphia Eagles has requested a trade. So one of these contender teams may be looking to, you know, throw in a late draft pick, try to pick up the 27 year old, you know, pass rushing specialist out of Philadelphia. So I think that some teams are going to maybe looking at that and trying to, you know, kick in a fifth or sixth rounder and see if they can pick him up that bolster that pass rush for a, for a Super Bowl run. Or, you know, Colts just swap, uh, swap him and Taylor and a couple picks from uh, the Eagles. I think it might may take a little more than that from what I've, what we've been hearing. The Colts are expecting a first round pick. I don't know if they're going to get it. I think they're still a little bitter uh, over the Trent Richardson deal back in 2013, but you never know. Something may sneak in. Some team may, you know, YOLO, throw a YOLO ball and try to make a play for him. We'll see. We'll see. And, you know, kind of let's get into the meat of it. Last week, we ended up covering the NFC. We went kind of in-depth team by team, and we're going to do the same thing this week with the AFC. So let's just go ahead and dig right in. Caleb, you ready? Let's go for it. Okay, AFC, start. where are we starting at? Uh, we're going to be starting things off with the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills, the Super Bowl contending Buffalo Bills. Caleb, give me your thoughts. Love them. Love them, love them, love them. Um, I think Stefan Diggs. Josh Allen, um, I think Isaiah McKenzie, is he still up there? Or No, he's a Colt now, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, my bad. That's Gabriel who, that's Davis is there, though. That That's who else, Anthony Richardson. My, my mind was still going through the Rolodex of who's Anthony Richardson still throwing to. A lot of player Colts. movement this offseason. Yeah. A lot. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, one of the roads to the Super Bowl goes through Buffalo every year. And we saw that the past two seasons, Josh Allen's Josh Allen. You got to deal with the weather up there. Um, And I think they are the odds on favorite to take the AFC East pretty handedly. They should. I mean, on paper, um, the, the only opposition I can see really putting up a fight are the Jets. I think the Dolphins that might snag a game here or two, not necessarily from the Bills, but I think the Dolphins will definitely put up a fight. But the Bills, you know, top down, I think that they're, they might be the best. I think they're the best team in there. I think the best team on paper, are the Jets, but we really haven't seen what kind of product they're going to be. But going into the season, I definitely think the Buffalo Bills are going to be the number one team in the AFC East. Josh Allen, MVP, perennial MVP candidate. Um, you know, they've got Stephon Diggs there, who seems like he's kind of, you know, kind of quelled the storm and kind of put uh, put his differences aside, and he's ready to come in and compete for the season. Gabriel Davis, they brought in Dalton McK- uh, Kincaid, out of Utah, the tight end. So they're kind of like reloading there. They've turned the keys over to James Cook, um, Dalvin Cook's younger brother. So, I mean, they're gearing up there. The defense, Von Miller's back. Apparently he's back for one last wild ride, ready to ready to chase another ring there up in Buffalo. Defense should be stout as always. Yep. So yeah, I mean, incredibly they optimistic. Got Oliver, they still got Shaq Lawson. The defense is stout for sure. Yeah, Jordan they really Boyer. do. No, they definitely do. Gregory Rousseau, they got a really good defensive line. They've got some solid linebackers as well. So, I mean, they're set defensive secondary. Yeah, like you said, with Poyer, um, they've definitely got um, a lot of talent there. So, 
not really a lot to talk about with them because really not a whole lot has changed. I think the biggest change is, um, you know, letting Devin Singletary leave in free agency and kind of turning it over to James Cook. So it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be able to establish the running game more. But maybe there's a chance here we see a Jonathan Taylor get moved. I know they were kind of in on Dalvin Cook there for a while, but I'm not sure. But I, I it wouldn't shock me to see Buffalo make like one or two more big moves before the start of the season or sign one of these guys that was recently released. Yeah, I think they just might add depth to what you were just hinting at. Just add depth to somebody that was just released um, that we might not see in the first four weeks. But, you know, when playoffs roll around, that guy might be starting. So. No, I couldn't agree anymore. And I mean, honestly, I'm going to be I'm just going to go on a sidebar here. Just kind of looking through my notes here of what I've compiled and looking at the AFC. It really is a one sided league right now. It seems like all of the talent has been compiled into the AFC going into the going into the season this year. It really does seem like it's a little fragmented in terms of the AFC NFC. Sure, you've got Philadelphia and the NFC, but man, the AFC is stacked this year. Yeah, I mean, just looking top down from the AFC East. I mean, I could easily see all four teams, any of these four teams on here making the playoffs. And that kind of brings us to our second, our secondary contender, which are the Miami Dolphins up there in Miami. Caleb, do you want to take the lead on this one? Um, yeah, so a lot of speed. I think they are the track stars of the NFL. Um, they added even more speed by drafting Devin A. Chain this year. You still got Tyree Kill. Um, Tua looks pretty solid in camp so far. Uh, they bolstered up the defense, adding uh, Eli Apple and already alongside Xavier Howard. So the secondary and Jalen Ramsey is very stout down there. Um, the only question really is like the running game. Are they going to be able to get it going this year? And that seems like it's one of the perennial questions for them. I think, I think really what it all comes down to. And the biggest question is just, I think this is going to be the make or break year for Tua Tangalova. I think we're going to really get an inside look and see if, you know, the biggest question with him is not necessarily the talent on the field. It's the availability. Is he going to be able to kind of shake the concussion bug or, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, Kip. I'm a little worried about the guy. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say, I, I don't think any of us ever want to see another DeMar Hamlin situation, but kind of going into the season with the amount of concussions that the guy has had, there's been, there were rumors of him potentially retiring in the off season due to concussions. He had, I think it was three last year, ended up not finishing out the season due to yeah, a head he had injury. The scary one here in Cincinnati. Yeah. Early on in the season last year. So, I mean, it is a, it's a, it's a great roster. It's a really good team, but kind of like we've said uh, with a lot of these other teams, it kind of, all starts and ends and all starts and ends with the quarterback position. And, you know, they're going to go as far as Tua can take them. That's for sure. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I'm Miami, I'm calling up Colt McCoy right now and telling him how beautiful Miami is and giving him the top of the line sales pitch on why he should be a Miami Dolphin this year. Now they got great food. You know, we got dolphins, you know, we've got sun, you know, it's a, it's a great place to be Colt. You should, uh, Forget we Texas, forget Messi. Arizona. Yeah, we got Messi now. We've got it all. We've got Publix down here. That's our Kroger. Um, so, I mean, you know, whatever you guys want to do, Miami is a place to be. You know, Colt, come on down and be our backup guy because the odds are you're going to play at some point this season. So, um, hey, my, it worked out for uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Went nah, down man. to a couple teams and got paid because of it. So, no, nah, I mean, it. it, it Ryan Fitzpatrick had some weird voodoo going on. It was wherever wherever he ended up going, he ended up starting. So that's definitely something that's uh, 
That's a track that followed it's him. But it's Fitz Magic. No, it is Fitz Magic. That's for sure. I miss that guy. He was a treasure. <laughs> but anyways, Miami, like I said, they could compete. If Tua is healthy and he is balling out like we think he can, I will be very honest with you. My biggest concern with Tua, I probably should have said this earlier. The guy, I'm not sure if I believe in his talent, to be honest with you, Caleb. He put up big numbers earlier on in the season, and then we saw it kind of trickle off. I know his uh, his deep ball is not exactly the greatest in the world. There were some questions about his ability on the field because it did seem like they started out super hot. He had that massive six or seven touchdown game at the beginning mm-hmm. of last season, and then it kind of all came crashing down around him. Part of that could have been because of the concussions. I don't think he should have played the second half of the season. I know he came in like here or there, um, but you know, I'm not sure I even believe in the talent. We'll see. Like I said, this is going to be a make or break year. Miami's going to have a lot of decisions to make. Are they going to pay him in the offseason? Is he going to be one of these hundred, you know, $200 million quarterbacks that we've been seeing handed out here recently? Apparently anybody can get paid $200 million in the NFL. So, I mean, uh, if anybody's looking for a six foot three, 220 pound quarterback, you know, I'm, I'll definitely hold a clipboard for a couple of seasons and won't have any complaints about that. But, but, um, no, I mean, Miami could go pretty far. The one that I am out on in the AFC East are the New England Patriots. And if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and say a few words about them. Yeah, go for it. But yeah, I do think they are the fourth dog in this fight um, up in the AFC East. No, and I mean, it. it the, they still have Bill Belichick, which is something to say. But at this point, I truly believe that he is fighting for legacy at this point. Tom Brady's been long gone. He's been gone since 2019. So, I mean, there is definitely 2020, I'm sorry. There is a lot left to be desired there with Belichick. We haven't really seen him put it all together minus a Tom Brady. So I know some there's been some whispers about his ability to lead a team. And if he is the magic sauce up there in New England, Mac Jones has come in. He looked abysmal last year. I cannot stress that enough. He did not look great. His attitude looked great. He's kind of becoming the... Uh, kind of becoming one of the more hated players in the league with some uh, some questionable play, some questionable things he's been doing on the field. But when you look at this roster, they I know they just brought in Ezekiel Elliott. If That should be kind of an inkling of what their roster is looking like. They have Ramondre Stevenson, who should be, you know, their bell cow back, and, you know, Ezekiel Elliott will be coming in. Wide receivers, they are kind of devoid of a lot of talent there. Um, they don't it's have a lot, a lot of to offer. Washed up guys. It's uh, Juju Smith, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne. Um, oh, and then, a lot of guys that were good three or four years ago. And Kendrick Bourne got paid, and I mean, I I don't understand how he got paid as much as he did. Um, Juju Smith Schuster's there, like you said. I mean, yeah, like a lot of washed up guys, guys that have been established in the league for Ty a Montgomery. long while. It's it's all guys that were big names four years ago. Yeah, they were. They were big names four years ago, and I mean, there's, they just haven't brought in a lot of good, youthful talent there. I, I'm not optimistic about New England going into the season. I do like Hunter Henry but over there at tight end, but he's never really put it together completely for one full season. Um, the defense is kind of, once again, kind of devoid of talent. I, there's not many guys that you can really name on that defense. Caleb, I'm gonna we're, let's do a little exercise here, a little sidebar. Name five players on the New England's defense. New England's defense. Um, that is a very, very good question. <laughs> Let's see. Do, do, do. Pl- cue the Jeopardy music for me here. If you could, because um, I know they got Jabril Peppers, but I don't think I can name too many more after that. 
No, and that's kind of the point that I'm making. It's kind of just a bunch of guys. I mean, their roster really, I mean, I can't see them competing for anything. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to Belichick because, you know, he's got the rings to back it up. So maybe he can draw something up kind of in the sand there. Maybe we see some development from Mac Jones. Maybe Devonta Parker, you know, can kind of eventually at age 30 kind of break out again because we did see that 1200 yard season back in Miami a few years ago but that's long in the the, that's in the rear view mirror we haven't seen that the last couple of years Juju at this point in time we kind of know what he is as a player I am fading the New England Patriots once again this year they've done nothing to move the needle for me I think the fan base is up there has got to be starving at this point you know they were eating luxury level meals there every year year in year out they were competing for a championship and i really feel like for the last three years there is just not a lot to get excited about in new england yeah i think uh they're gonna have to go into a little bit of a rebuilding mode after this season um just a lot of age on that roster on the offensive side of the ball and then like you said on the defensive side of the ball there's really no superstar. It's just a bunch of, I hate to say it, average Joes, but at, to the NFL standard, it really is. Bunch of scrubs. But yeah, nothing to get excited not- about in New England. A ton to be excited about in New York right now. Uh, Yeah. I mean, the Giants are pretty good, off, right? Off-season New York Jets. Off-season <laughs> off off of the year, for sure, without a doubt. Kind of the dark horse, the team that we're all waiting. I know Caleb and I are based out of here in Cincinnati, but I want to say the entire nation is taking is looking at New York, the biggest market in the country. They bring in Aaron Rodgers, the multiple-time MVP candidate. They have kind of a loaded roster there. Not a lot of depth at wide receiver right now, but they still have some really quality starters out there. Their defense loaded. Their offense loaded. Dalvin Cook. Brees Hall should be getting healthy in a couple of weeks into the season. So a lot to like about New York right now. I want to say that they're a Super Bowl contender, but I just want to say there's just a a couple questions that I have before I'm about ready to kind of label them as a contender. The O-line is definitely a question mark. How are they going to roll? We know the defense is very stout. Um, What's his face? Sauce Gardner. Fantastic pick last year. He won yeah. Defensive Rookie of the Year last year, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And they've yeah. got, uh, was it and DJ the Pro Turner away from, uh, across from him? Is it DJ Turner? Uh, DJ Turner. Another quality corner. Uh, DJ Reed, sorry. DJ Reed. DJ, DJ Reed. DJ yes. Turner actually just got released today. Yeah, no, that's, that's fresh on the mind right there. Name. However, on the offensive side, I think their run game is very stout. Their passing game, I know you said, don't love the wide receivers, but I mean, led by Garrett Wilson, and then Rodgers has two of familiar faces he's thrown to for years in Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. And then you throw, you know, a, a crafty McCole Hardman in there. I think their wide receiving core is just fine. Yeah, a lot of speed there. They're going to be fast. I mean, you know, Garrett Wilson, Michael Hardman, uh, Michael, Michael Hardman has a blazing speed out there to kind of stretch the defense. You have Alan Lazard, who's kind of, you know, kind of the over-the-middle guy, kind of the clutch guy, the one who has a lot of familiarity with Rodgers there, brings a safety blanket for him. You know, Brees Hall, I I have so many questions. News coming out of New York has been, you know, it's come in black or white. It's been either great or it's been terrible in terms of the health of that knee. I had questions about them going out and bringing in Dalvin Cook 
how healthy is Brees Hall really depends a lot. Um, like I said, the, the, the signing of Dalvin Cook raises an eyebrow for me, whether or not he's going to be healthy. And then it kind of comes on the cusp of another running back that we're going to touch on here in the AFC North and J.K. Dobbins, where he tore his ACL at the beginning of the 2021 NFL season. And then 2022, we saw him come back and he just wasn't right. Is it going to be a similar situation with Brees Hall up there? Is he not going to be right until, you know, maybe the end of this season or 2024, maybe? Um, but we'll see. They're definitely going to be the wild card in the AFC. They could be a per, they could be a perennial Super Bowl contender, or we could see Aaron Rodgers, who is definitely is definitely washed. He's over the hill. He can't connect with his players. He's not on the same page as the rest of these guys. It, it's it really is. It's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, I mean their schedule coming out of the gate is not a cakewalk by any means. Their first five game or six weeks are Bills at home. They go to Dallas. They play divisional game Patriots. Chiefs at home to the Broncos versus the Eagles. I could easily see them only winning two games. No, I mean, there's uh, we'll see how it plays out. I think it really all depends on Rodgers. If he can kind of rediscover that magic a little bit there, they are 100% going to be in contention. But you know, I, Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. It's just... I mean, that's a pretty tall order right there at the beginning of the season. I think if they go three and three and head into their bye week, I'd take that all day for that team. No, I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you anymore. The one thing, the other thing, the other division that is, uh, I think we kind of know what they're going to be about going into this season is the AFC North top down. I, Caleb and I kind of talked on the side throughout the last week. I think it is definitely the strongest division in all of football. I'm not trying, I'm trying to be as unbiased as humanly possible, but I'm looking at each one of these teams. I think there's a potential that every team in this division could potentially make the playoff or at least be in contention for a playoff spot in the AFC North. It is scary. It's all about quarterbacks. There's one that's in question that I have a lot of questions about. Um, there's a, a second year up and comer. We've got a, an MVP candidate, a former MVP in the in this race. It is going to be an exciting. It's going to be much much watched football. It's going to be hard nosed. I am so excited about the AFC North. Yeah, yeah. I think the two toughest divisions in the NFL are the AFC East and definitely the AFC North. And with the improvement of Kenny Pickett and two gloves. I think this could really be the division that all four teams will be vowing for a wild card spot. No, and without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into it with the Baltimore Ravens, led by Lamar Jackson, former MVP in 2019. He kind of, you know, he signed that mega deal in the offseason. I think he's currently the second highest paid quarterback in the league behind Justin Herbert. Will probably soon be third after Burrow signs his extension, but he comes back in. He got a massive contract. They brought in a lot of wide receiver talent with Odo Beckham Jr. They brought in Zay Flowers. I mean, they've got a lot of talent across the board. Their defense is always stout. It's going to be stout again this year, um, led kind of by Patrick Queen there. Uh, Marlon Humphrey in the secondary. I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to be great. J.K. Dobbins, if, fire up your fantasy boards because I'm telling you right now, I am 100% in on J.K. Dobbins. He was an elite-level talent coming out of Ohio State. He was an elite-level talent when he was entering into college, going going to Ohio State. He is motivated as all get out right now. He's entering into a contract year. He looked great at the end of the last season, at the end of the 2022 season. 
final three weeks of the year, leading the league in rushing, leading the te- leading the league in rush touchdowns, and leading the league in rush yards per average. So he finally looks healthy. He's motivated. Lamar Jackson. I have questions about Lamar Jackson. Um, I want to I want to hear your thoughts first, Caleb, and then I'll I'll dive into Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, it's so unpredictable, honestly, <laughs> especially like on the fantasy football side. I know he's burnt you there in the past on your having him on your fantasy rosters a couple times. He's a very unique talent. It's very hard to defend against, especially with an elite tight end uh, with Mark Andrews. Um, we'll see. They they went out and got him some wide receiver help and from you know Zay Flowers from Boston College coming on in. That's another speedy guy. I mean, he is a little undersized, but it's almost like they're just trying to go the Miami Dolphins route and speed is the name of the game and they're going to control possession. No, I agree. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from Rashad Bateman too. He was one of my favorite wide receivers coming out in the 2021 NFL draft. Hasn't been able to stay healthy yet, but I think there is a long shot that Rashad Bateman by the end of the season could end up being the best wide receiver in that Baltimore Ravens wide receiving room right now. He's a great talent. Odell Beckham Jr. I want to see how much he has left in the tank. In the limited time we saw him with the Rams when he was over there, he looked good. The Super Bowl, he looked unstoppable before tearing that ACL, sat out last season. I want to know he's 30 now. I want to see what's left in the tank, what's left in those legs. How are the ACLs now after having multiple ACL injuries? But my thoughts on Lamar Jackson, I agree with you 100%. He is a unique talent. I loved him at Louisville. I thought he was a great player. I really loved his dual threat ability. I thought he was equally as good of a passer as he was a rusher. My biggest thing with Lamar Jackson is he took the world by storm in 2019, but we haven't seen it since. That's my biggest argument. We've watched him regress every single year. We've seen him now start to suffer injuries. They've compounded over the last couple of years. The last, I believe, three years, he's missed time towards the end of the season last year. I question his motivation level as he kind of quit on his team when he could have come back onto the field. He was holding out for more money, which I mean, I don't blame these guys for doing that. You know, you want to be able to set up, be set up for the remainder of your life, especially when you're putting your life on the line as life on the line, as we've now learned. I like him as a, as a person. He, I think he's fun. I think he's good for the league. I'm just, I'm out on Lamar Jackson. If if he bows up this year and has an MVP caliber season, I'll tweet it out to the world. I will eat crow. I'll eat crow live on this stream if you guys want me to. Um, we can turn we can turn we can turn it into some kind of little bet if you want to. But I am 100 out on Lamar Jackson. I'm not a fan of him anymore. I'm just. Uh, I, I have just seen too much regression over him the last couple of years. I've seen him receive praise after beating up on banged up teams. I'm not a big Lamar Jackson guy. Everybody wants to thump their chest and say he's elite all the see all the time. I just don't see it. The last couple of years, the interceptions have started to rise. The touchdowns have gone down. Never thrown for more than 3,200 yards in a single season in a passing league. Could that be part of his weapons? Could be. I think there's an argument to be had that you know elite level quarterbacks produce regardless of who's catching the ball from them. I'll, I'm going to wait and see. Everybody, if you follow me on Twitter. You know, I'm always on there fighting and usually getting into Lamar Jackson debates. But you know what? If, if he blows up this year and there is a real possibility for that, I will I will definitely come to I'll, I'll have my come to Jesus moment. And I will admit that I was wrong. But as of the recording of this podcast on 
August 28th, 2023. I am out on Lamar Jackson. I am all in on Lamar Jackson this year. I think he got paid. I think his money is now guaranteed. Weight off his shoulders. He is going to go and just ball out. Also, I don't know why you're saying eat crow. I think you should say be saying you're going to eat raven. Oh, they're basically the same thing. I don't see exactly. how that really matters. Exactly. And please, PETA, if you're listening to this, you're not eating any live birds besides maybe some chicken wings. Uh, well, we, may, we might do a live chicken wing stream. We'll see. we got some cool things planned here. Kind of moving on from the ball on the Baltimore Ravens, we're going to the last couple of years, the Super Bowl contender, kind of the kryptonite for Patrick Mahomes. It kind of bit him in the butt last year. Our hometown team, we're going to try to keep this as brief as possible because there has been so much media coverage about the Cincinnati Bengals led by Joe Swag over up there in Cincinnati, Joe Burrow um, and company. Got dinged up a little bit this offseason. He is an MVP candidate. Their roster is pretty much well loaded. They do have a few holes, maybe in the backup situation, a backup quarterback, but I am really interested. They have a whole new secondary there, but they kept all their coordinators in place. The head coaches there. They've got wide receiver talent, like one of the best wide receiver rooms in the NFL, maybe the best wide receiver room in the NFL. Mixon is back. Um, yeah, we'll see what they do. Chase Brown, they drafted Chase Brown out of Illinois to kind of spell Mixon and kind of fill in at that Samaj P. Ryan role who they lost. Irv, Irv Smith Jr. is in there at tight end, who I really do like at tight end. Not for fantasy purposes, but I do like him to kind of take over for Hayden Hurst and kind of the hole left by C.J. Uzama, who wasn't a large hole to fill, but was a locker room guy. Cincinnati, they're going to be there. They are a Super Bowl contender. If you like it or not, they are. They have an MVP candidate at quarterback. Caleb, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, not to get too far into the weeds on this, but obviously Super Bowl contender. I think we're going to echo the same stuff we're saying right now about the Chiefs. I mean, it's it's been a proven track record for the past two two years solid that. Um, the Super Bowl currently runs through either Kansas City, Buffalo, or Cincinnati. And I don't think there's much that's changing that narrative going into this season besides maybe the Aaron Rodgers saga up there in uh, New York. The defensive uh, secondary looks, I would argue, even better than last year. Um, dumping Eli Allen off and then adding Dax Hill. Uh, I mean, Dax Hill looks fantastic in the preseason the way he reads the ball and how much ground he covers on some of those deep balls. And just um, for, for, for just, just informative, cause we are kind of plugged into the Cincinnati Bengals scene. I know there's been kind of an, uh, a mainstream narrative around Dax Hill that he was kind of a bust last year. He was, but he was also lining up at cornerback and that's not his natural position. He's a natural free safety. And now, you know, kind of Jesse Bates has moved on. He's sliding into that role naturally. So he should be able to kind of get back to that ball hawking, skill set that we saw of him up there in Michigan. So I am very optimistic about uh, Jesse Bates or yeah, I am very yeah, I mean, optimistic. And then about. They, they locked up a lot of their defense. They signed Logan Wilson to a big contract in the off season. Um, the biggest question is you and I have talked about it. The over under for Mixon this year is like 800 yards in Vegas. And if I was a betting man, I think I'd be hammering the under. I think that's the biggest weakness on this team is who is running the football for the longevity of the season. 
No, I, I was hoping that they were going to just address that position in a larger capacity other than just, you know, Evan Brown out there, up there and uh, coming out of Illinois. I was really hoping for a little bit more there. I am so far out on Joe Mixon. What I saw from him last year was a lack of explosion, some hesitancy to hit the hole. He just didn't look like the same player. There were a couple years there where I was I was thumping my chest saying he was a top three talent at running back in the NFL, but he was playing on some abysmal Bengals teams. I'm just not in on Joe Mixon this year. He's got the the personnel or the personal issues that have been happening in the offseason. I don't want to get into that too much, but he's he's been having some issues. He doesn't look like the same player anymore. I don't want to say I'm completely out on Mixon because I think there is a scenario where we see him rumble for 1,300 yards and double-digit touchdowns, especially on this Bengals offense. Um, you know, he's not going to be seeing a lot of eight-man boxes. I, I would I would almost say that he's never going to see an eight-man box especially with Jamar Chase and T Higgins lining up on the outside and Tyler Boyd operating in the slot. I think it's a Bengals running back with that wide receiver core and with Joe Burrow at quarterback minimum should be rushing for a thousand yards and no questions asked. It should be one of the best places for a running back to go. I'm just not a fan of Mixon anymore. I think he's a little washed. I think he's a little over the hill, took a massive pay cut this off season. I'm I'm out on Mixon. Yep. I agree. But I still think that, uh, the division championship definitely goes through Cincinnati still. No, it it definitely does. As of um as of the recording of this podcast, early and before the season starts, it's definitely going through Cincinnati. I think that they may be. I, I've seen some people predict them as kind of one of the Super Bowl contenders. There, they did add some talent on defense that I want to touch on. Miles Murphy's coming in to kind of add an, another ripple. And here is a name to keep in mind for everybody that's not plugged into the Cincinnati scene. Joseph Asai. I think by the end of the season, we're going to see him with double digit sacks and he's going to be, he's going to establish himself as one of the better pass rushers in the NFL. We did see him kind of struggle a little bit in the off season or in the, in the postseason last year, he made the boneheaded play. He was trying to make a play on Pat Mahomes and that kind of created a little bit of a narrative around him in the off season. But I am so high on Joseph Asai. I think he's going to end up being one of the premier pass rushers. I think he's going to, supplant the Trey Hendrickson this year is kind of the best pass rusher on that Bengals defense. Lou Anaruno is there calling the shots. He's, I think if not the best defensive coordinator in the NFL, he is at least top three easily. No questions asked. We are blessed to have him back here in Cincinnati. And I couldn't be more optimistic about this team going into the, going into the regular season. All right. Where are we going from here? Steel City or uh, the mistake going, by the lake? We're going to a massage parlor. Oh, we're gonna head up to Cleveland, Ohio, nice where the hand and stone, where the Cleveland Browns have a pretty nice roster on paper. Caleb, I do have to give them credit. It's just the biggest question is, you know, is he gonna play? And by he, I mean obviously, obviously Watson. Is he going to bounce back? Is he going to look like the Deshaun Watson worth the largest contract in NFL history that they signed him for at the time? All guaranteed. And or it, is he going to look like, uh, you know, he's going to be taking out the trash and picking up my garbage on uh, Tuesdays? And what kills me about him is he's not old. He's 27 years old. He looked like one of the top three quarterbacks and looked like a top three quarterback in the NFL when he was with, the last time we saw him in Houston. As everybody knows, Missed the bulk of a season um, kind of on the Cleveland Browns roster last year, serving that massive suspension. 
but he did not look good in the time that he was actually playing last year. He looked actually, I'll be honest, he looked atrocious when he was playing last year and has had, I don't want to be too harsh on the guy, a miserable camp. I mean, it was every, it seemed like every day during training camp, you would turn, you'd log into Twitter and you would see some highlight of him throwing multiple interceptions during training camp. Just didn't look good on paper. They have one of the better rosters in football. There's a lot to really like about this team. Like you said, it's kind of the keys to the engine. What type of player is Deshaun Watson going to be? Is he going to get back to that Pro Bowl level form, that all pro form that we saw in Houston? Or is he going to be kind of the walking corpse of the former player that we saw last year and during training camp this year? I'm actually optimistic about Deshaun Watson. I was going to say, in the the third preseason game this past uh, week, he had some nice plays. He he threw to Njoku. I think he threw Njoku a touchdown. Um, Didn't look terrible. But can he make it last? I mean, that was the third game of the preseason not everybody's plan it's kind of seeing who's going to make the cuts the third stringers are really out there so i don't know the talent level that he was throwing to against njoku there but i mean it looked good no and i mean i think he he definitely he's got some skills there it's it might be just dusting off the old arm there getting back in the rhythm he's gone through a full training camp now he's got a little bit more rapport with his wide receivers I like Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper looked like the best he's ever looked last year. He has a potential to really kind of step, take his game to the next level. I think this is the first time in Amari Cooper's career that he has a truly established, potentially good quarterback outside of Dak Prescott. But we also know that he was throwing Dak Prescott had a lot of weapons there in Dallas when, while Amari Cooper was on hand. I'm optimistic about the Browns this year. I know it is. And I may catch some flack for this, and I know, Caleb, you share this sentiment. It is a very poorly run organization. It has been for years. There's a lot of optimism when the Haslam's bought that team a decade ago, but there really has not been that much of a dramatic culture shift there. There's questions about all the way up from the front office down to the training staff. I mean, there's there's questions to be had all across the board. The documentary about Johnny Manziel coming out really doesn't help shake that narrative at all. Um, actually Caleb's the one that brought that to my attention, just kind of taking a look at that documentary and getting an inside look at what the Cleveland Browns are as an organization, what's going on behind those closed doors there. A lot of questions to be had about the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. For those of you who haven't seen the Johnny Manziel documentary, Johnny Manziel was drafted in the first round by the Cleveland Browns who hosted him on a private workout. Manziel went out partying with the receivers for the Browns, by the way, that is, for this private workout they were going to do. The receivers were so hungover the next day that Johnny Manziel showed up smelling like a complete alcohol factory, distillery. His receivers no-showed to this private workout. His agent and I think a trainer were running routes for his uh, private workout. And the Browns still drafted him, which is asinine. <laughs> but he looked but, great in that Nike Vapor uniform, that all black. It was it was super sleek. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, not to get too off the rails here. The Browns do have the cards stacked against them for the first six weeks of the season. They, they get the unlucky draw of the week five bye. They got the Bengals right out of the gates. They go to the Steelers. 
Titans at home, Ravens at home, hit their bye week and open off of their bye week with the 49ers at home. So it is going to be tough sledding. After that, they get the Colts, Seahawks, Cardinals. So it does lighten up on the back end. Front end, though, if they could just steal two wins out of the first five, I think they're in good shape. No, I agree. And I mean, there's not going to be a give me game on any of the NFC North schedule. It is going to be an incredibly competitive division, but kind of the forgotten man, the old contender, the one of the legacy uh, legacy franchises in the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's go ahead and take a look at them. I'm I'm supposed to hate them, but I really like them this year. I am really in on the Pittsburgh Steelers. They made a lot of really good roster moves. Caleb, how about you kick things off for us? Gosh dang it. Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, deep in my soul, Kenny Two Gloves looks really, really good. Najee Harris looks very solid running the ball. And then looking the to bounce Steelers, back. The what? I'm sorry? He's looking to bounce back after a oh, down year. I, I mean, in preseason, he's looked great. And I think the steal of the draft was Darnell Washington. I, I don't know how he fell to them. I was begging the Bengals to, during draft day to, to draft him, and he just slipped on through. And, you know, rookie from Georgia, 6'7", 265 tight end that's going to beat up on the Bengals for years to come. And they say he is like an additional offensive lineman out there. Blocking is his specialty. So it's going to be really fun to watch. I think there's been some uh, unheralded signings that they've had there in Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett. I was 100% in on Kenny Pickett during the 2022 NFL draft. I really like the guy. Kind of like I said with Lamar Jackson, if Kenny Pickett doesn't have a good season this year, I will I will eat a raven live on air. Pet it, don't sue us. But I will. I am all in on Kenny Pickett. Kenny Two Gloves, as Caleb loves to affectionately call him. Najee Harris, he's a starting very quality running back. I just don't believe that there was a massive drop-off between year one and year two. Year one, he went for 1,200 yards. Last year, he barely scratched 1,000. I don't, I don't even think he actually hit 1,000 last year, but he didn't look like the same running back. I know he, had a, he was a little banged up there. The offensive line had a ton of issues, but this wide receiver room is looking really nice on paper. This is what really gets me excited about this team. If it was just Kenny Pickett thrown to last year's wide receiver room, I wouldn't be excited. This year he's got a, a second-year George Pickens, who I'm looking to really take a massive step in the right direction. He's When he was coming out in the 2022 NFL draft, there were teams that were saying he was the best wide receiver in the draft before the draft actually happened, was falling down due to character concerns and injury history. But I think he's going to really step in and be the number one. They have Deontay Johnson, who's back, who's a great possession slot wide receiver there, who's always been known to be able to make some plays. He has some questions about his hands, but he's a very quality wide receiver. And the one that a lot of people haven't been talking about, have been sleeping on, they bring in Allen Robinson, who was oh, in, yeah. who spent a lot of the, a lot of this a lot of the season last year with the with the L.A. Rams. They were they were a dumpster fire, suffering multiple injuries. He really wasn't able to show out. Actually, was a massive bust last year. But the one thing that we've always known about Allen Robinson is when it comes time for him to get paid, or he's um you know when it comes time for him to get paid, he usually seems to put his best foot forward. We've seen him be a number one wide receiver in the league, having multiple thousand yard seasons with the Jacksonville Jaguars and with the Chicago Bears. I really like Allen Robinson. He's thirty years old. He may have some juice left in those legs. He may have some speed left. He's a big-bodied wide receiver. 
You've already touched on the tight end spot. Darnell Washington, a mauler out there at tight end, a great blocking tight end. I think he's going to only help and uh, and make Najee Harris's life a lot easier. But they also have Pat Fryermuth, who is a great receiving tight end. They've completely revamped the offensive line, added a lot of really key positions there. The defense is stout as usual. They bring T.J. Watt is back. He's healthy, the former defensive MVP. They bring out in Kwan Alexander to be a kind of a thumper there at linebacker. And then the player that I really liked in the offseason and in the NFL draft, Joey Porter Jr., kind of going to his dad's team. And the one thing I wanted, the last thing that I'm going to admit, they bring in Patrick Peterson to kind of serve as a safety position there, the veteran defensive back there who's going to come in and play some corner, play some safety. I really like this roster, Caleb. Yeah, yeah, and then you didn't even mention Minka Fitzpatrick and Larry Ogunjobi. Yeah, I, I don't I think mean, that they defense, need to be. I think this defense is the perfect complement to that offense. They're going to be a really solid team. I really do believe that they are. They have a chance to be the number two team in this division. I don't know if they're ready to be up there in that top, that upper echelon of teams contending for a Super Bowl. I'm not ready to put them on that level. I think they may be a year away from that level, but I don't. I think it's. Uh, going to be sooner rather than later that we're going to be seeing them make a deep playoff run i 100 percent agree and you know with that that kind of covers the afc north which is man that is going to be a that is going to be a heavyweight title match all season long watching these teams jockey for position i think there is a scenario when we get to the mid-season point where we see all four teams still in playoff condition uh contention they may be cannibalizing each other a little bit. I think we're going to see a lot of these those teams split games with one another with the home and away split. I think we're going to see them splitting. The reason why I'm kind of going on a monologue with the AFC North here is because it is such a juicy division to cover because there's so many glorious storylines there. And I'm trying to avoid the AFC South, <laughs> which unfortunately we do have to cover the AFC South. Um, Let's just get into it, Caleb. Let's start off <laughs> let's, with uh, all of our... Let's just start waiting in. Get your waiters on. Well, we're going to go ahead and start things off with our favorite team in the AFC AFC South. Well, actually, first, top to bottom, the AFC South is going to be is, is abysmal this year. We've seen a lot of turnover there. There's a lot of question marks at a lot of positions. There's only one really notable quarterback in this division at the time that we can actually have anything to go off of, and that's yep. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. We've got two rookies starting, and then we've kind of got a, I don't want to say a washed up former or pro in Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. It's coming in, but a lot of these teams, three out of the four teams I can see are entering into rebuilding phases or are in hard rebuilding phases, but not a like not a lot to love with the AFC South this year. Yeah, I mean, if you can go to Vegas and or you know, hop on one of your sports betting apps and if you can find a book that, that'll take a, a nice little parlay, I would go Jags first. Titans second, Texans third, Colts fourth. And I think that the odds on it wouldn't even be that great of a payout. No, I couldn't agree with you anymore on that one. So let's get right into it. We have a massive fan base there in Houston. Caleb made us a bunch of friends a couple of years ago when we were podcasting. So let's go ahead and start things off with the Houston Texans. Caleb, I know they're kind of your second team there. So why don't you, uh, why don't you give us some insights into the Houston Texans? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, pretty exciting draft, bringing in the C.J. Stroud. Um, returning Damian Pierce, running back-wise, um, alongside Devin Singletary. 
Uh, wide receiver room. I, I really don't know where they're going with that. I'm hoping Mechie gets back on the field this year after everything that he has been through. Um, they got old Bob Woods. I didn't even realize he was still in the league. Bobby Trees. After, uh, after he left Tennessee. So they brought him on in. Um, and then the shining light that they have was the rookie last year in Nico Collins. He was uh, not terrible. I mean, pretty solid number two, if you ask me. And then uh, they brought in Shaq Griffin, cornerback. Um, I think they still got to beef up the defense, though. They're kind of one of those teams that are kind of looking for themselves right now. That's the way that I kind of equ- that's what I kind of equate them to. A lot of it depends on C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud definitely has a possibility to really kind of make or break that franchise. He could, you know, prop them up and they could be a contender for years to come or they could be, you know, have to go back into a rebuilding season. I am not high on C.J. Stroud. I will say that right now. I wasn't high of him coming out on the draft. And I, that's not nothing against C.J. Stroud. That's everything to do with the track record of Ohio State quarterbacks coming out. For whatever reason it is, it just seems like they don't translate that well to the pro game. I don't know if it's because it's a lot like Alabama quarterback where they just kind of come from this talent-laden roster that kind of is able to cover up a lot of the blemishes on them as players. But there's got to be a little bit of optimism there coming in with them picking him at number two. I do like the roster a little bit more than I like them when we were covering them before. I think they have a lot of optimism in the wide receiver room. Um, the one player that you didn't mention that I really do like a lot is Tank Dell, who they drafted out of Houston. You stole my next point. He That's has a lot of talent. Great, he has had a great preseason. He's had a great preseason. There was a lot of hype about him going in. He's a little bit of an older of a, a little older of a rookie coming into the season, but I think he's got a lot of hype about him coming into this season. So I am very much so intrigued by the Houston Texans wide receiver room. I think they could. We could see them actually make a couple, make make a couple solid moves this offseason. I think they we could see them pick up, you know, some big wins as well. They did bring over in the tight end room. They brought over Dalton Schultz from the Dallas Cowboys, who is nothing but a steady uh, tight end there, um, which he's going to become the best friend of C.J. Stroud going to this season. The offensive line is not too bad. They've got their ta- tackles figured out. They've got some good guard play. The defense leaves a little bit to be desired. And once again, they started this two years ago. It seems like it's kind of an eclectic group of washed up. It's the Island of Misfit Toys. It's guys that had talent, have produced at one point in their career, or have had a lot of optimism about them going into the season. But for some, whatever reason it may be, have kind of fallen off a little bit. I'm, for me personally, the biggest storyline that I am paying attention to with the Houston Texans is the development of Derek Stingley Jr., who I loved as a freshman at LSU kind of took a step back in the years after that, but you know, he's got a a world of potential playing on that LSU team. He could end up being one of the better corners in the NFL showed flashes last year. He also showed some warts last year, but not a lot to talk about in Houston this year. I don't think they're going to be competing for a playoff spot. And this year, maybe next year, depending on the development of CJ Stroud, but overall, you know, with this division, Anything's possible. Yeah. I mean, uh, taking a peek at their schedule, it, it actually is a really fun schedule to watch just from a football fan perspective. Week two, Battle of the Rookie QBs. It's Stroud versus Anthony Richardson with the Colts. Um, week five, we get to see them at the Falcons. So that's going to be another 
uh, rookie quarterback for a sophomore quarterback with Desmond Ritter. Um, week eight is going to be at the Panthers. So it's going to be another rookie batch up there in quarterbacks battling. Week nine against Baker. Um, and then they end the season in week 18. Again, Anthony Richardson rematch. So it, it, will, it will be interesting and fun to see a, a lot of development. But you're right. I don't think that they're going to be a sniffing contention of the playoffs. No, I do not. And another team that I really do not know what they are doing in the AFC South is the Indianapolis Colts. They're, I think they are in contention to have the number one overall pick next year. I don't know what their direction as a team is, but that's who we're going to dive into next. I do, full disclosure, I don't want to talk about the Colts just because I really don't think that there's a lot of talent there. I don't think there's a lot of optimism there, but Caleb... What are your thoughts about the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, I think it's an organization that has a dumpster fire in front of them, and they're trying to put it out with kerosene. That's what I think. I think that the owner is completely senile and off the rails and Ursay. And if so happened, Jim Ursay is listening to this. I love the way you speak, but I think you're running this organization into the ground. Um, Jonathan Taylor, your superstar, just wanting to leave the organization. It's like, what is going on? Um, and then you miss, I think it's going to be a big mess with Anthony Richardson. I don't believe in the talent that he has and to his, into his, uh, side of things. I don't think he's really going to get a fair shake and a fair look at the true talent that he could potentially have. Not with the way that they've set up their roster. They've not set him up for, they've not set him up for success. Personally, if I was running the Indianapolis Colts, which I'm not, hence why I'm here, I would have definitely let Gardner Minshew, who looked great, by the way, in the preseason, he looked great throughout training camp. I would have let Gardner Minshew take the reins at the start of the season. Anthony Richardson needs time. He's just not ready. We saw it at Florida. He didn't really put anything together during his Florida career. And quite frankly, I am... I was shocked to see him go as high as he did in the first round of the NFL draft, considering that he did not really produce anywhere at all. I know he has the athletic profile. He has the measurables. There's a lot of potential there to see something truly special grow out of him. Maybe from a physicality standpoint, the greatest quarterback prospect we've ever seen outside of maybe Cam Newton. I think he is physically gifted. He is an athlete, but that is what I think he is. I think he is an athlete just don't see it with his throws. This roster from top to bottom, I don't know what they're going for here. They do have Michael Pittman. They have Alec Pierce at wide receiver who showed some, he showed some potential last year. They drafted Josh Downs. The running back room, looking at their roster, if you look at the running back room outside of Jonathan Taylor, there is nothing there. They have Zach Moss, who's never able to been able to put it together throughout his career with Buffalo. And King and Drake, but that's about it. And they actually, as of about an hour and a half ago, they released Kenyon Drake. So they don't even have oh, Kenyon Drake even know anymore. That. Are you serious? Yeah, he was part of the part of the cuts there. Wow. So well, the, I think the Bengals should start giving him a call. So, or Philly. I think he's one of those guys that we're going to kind of. He's. I equate Kenyon Drake to a mercenary to where three, four weeks into the season, he's always going to be on a roster because he just does have a lot of talent. He's just not a lot of. I wouldn't say he's the first pick. He's an. He's one of those island of misfit toy guys, but 
I don't know what they're going for there. I know that they really, really, really like Jelani Woods, the tight end. But once again, he's kind of an athlete. He's raw. Their offensive line took a massive step back the last couple of years. Hasn't been what it's been, but they were beat up a little bit. So there maybe there's some potential there. And they, they lost uh, lost on the defensive side. I know uh, Bobby Okariki left. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just decimated on both sides of the ball, it seems like. They do have some talent on defense. They still have DeForest Buckner there on the defensive line. They have Shaq Leonard, who's maybe one of the maybe a top three linebacker in the NFL when he's healthy, which we didn't see last year. But if you anybody goes and pulls up their roster on NFL.com and looks at their roster for their secondary, there is no names on that defensive secondary that stand out. It's just a bunch of guys. Somebody's going to have to step up and really make some make some changes there. But I, I am not optimistic about the the Indianapolis Colts going into this upcoming season. Yeah. Well, I guess uh I guess they can always double down in this next uh draft and go for Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams or uh, Drake May, that's gonna be that's gonna be the one of the next uh it's gonna be an interesting draft process. I'm I'm interested to see it. I know we say it every single year, but it is uh the next year is always greener is always nice to look at. And usually it seems the it's been a, it's been a, a real uh, consistent thing that's underperformed when it comes to draft time. But let's uh, let's look at a guy who hasn't underperformed, who had some lofty expectations. We'll take our, we'll turn our attention to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll go ahead and start with this one, Caleb, if you don't mind, go for it. I am optimistic about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have faded Trevor Lawrence since he started at Clemson. I thought he walked into a loaded roster and found a lot of success due to the roster. I was wrong about Trevor Lawrence. I I thought he kind of had reached his cap as a player his final year at Clemson, and I thought we would see him be, you know, a 3,520 touchdown guy in the league. I didn't know if we'd ever see him really take that step and become one of those top tier quarterbacks in the NFL. But last year was eye opening for me. I saw him making reads. I saw him reading a defense really well, looking at different options. I thought he looked great this year. The rosters should be even better. They snuck into the playoffs last year, did a little damage too, mind you um, coming back and beating Justin Herbert in the chargers. The wide receiver room is upgraded with Calvin Ridley coming in there. They still have Zay Jones and Christian Kirk there. So there's not going to be a shortage of wide receivers for Lawrence to look at. The tight end room, Evan Ingram, I don't know what happened to that guy. He went nuts after being a bust with the Giants. And then the running back room, Travis Etienne, Michael Hasty, Dearness Johnson, and then one of my favorite players that they picked up in this last draft, Tank Bigsby coming in from Auburn. They got a loaded running back room. I'm really high on them. I think from top to down, this is one of the better Jacksonville teams. I think this is going to be the best Jacksonville season since 2017. And yeah, I I mean, they have a stacked defense as well with Josh Allen and Clavion Chaseon. Chaseon. I can never say his last name. Chaseon. And you're not even going to mention Trevion Walker, the number one pick from last year's draft. I know, man. I mean, they're they're a stacked team. They're good. You said doing some damage. They could, this is a team that could sneak into the playoffs, and I hate to say it, but they could knock off a Cincinnati or um, a Buffalo or, um, let's say, like a Jets team. No, right they scare me. 
They yeah. really do scare me. As a Cincinnati fan, they scare me. There's a lot of potential on that roster, and we could really see them do a lot of damage. Their defense, like like you already touched on, is pretty well stacked. They've got a really good linebacker room, a very good linebacker room, especially from a pass rushing standpoint. They made plays in the offseason for their defensive secondary as well. So I think that they are head and shoulders above the rest of the teams in the division. Um, yeah, optimism should be high. Jacksonville fans, you know, hold your heads high because this is this is as good as it's going to get for you in the offseason, coming in with a lot of hype, a lot of optimism. So this is the best that they've been in a while. Yeah, I think it's them and then everybody else fighting for second in that division, for sure. Completely agree 100%. And the other team that I believe is going to be fighting for second or could sneak into, you know, first, we'll see. We could compete for the division title there, the Tennessee Titans. And I want to start off before I get into the Tennessee Titans, because if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see me tweeting about them a little bit. I am a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I grew up 1999 when the Tennessee Titans, the Tennessee Oilers became the Tennessee Titans. Every kid in the Cincinnati area, I don't know if it was nationwide, I at least know in the Cincinnati area, every kid in Cincinnati had an Eddie George jersey. Might have been the Ohio State connection there. Javon Kirsch was a massive with the freak up there. I love the Tennessee Titans. They hold a soft spot in my heart. I always follow them really closely, but I am incredibly, I'm not optimistic about the Tennessee Titans, but I am so curious. I know that a lot of the fans and a lot of the beat reporters out there said that the Titans were doing a soft rebuild there, meaning they're trying to stay competitive while still rebuilding and kind of adding things there. So, Optimism is high in Tennessee right now, but I'm going to let you dive into this one, Caleb, and give me your thoughts on the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. My two biggest questions for this offseason. One is what's up with the Hellman mayonnaise thing? He got like a life. Will Levis got like a lifetime deal with Hellman's mayonnaise. I think he got stock options. He puts mayonnaise in his coffee. He's the man. He's Jack, too. He's kind of my uh, kind of my spirit animal, to be honest with you. (laughs) That is absolutely gross. Not only do I hate mayonnaise, but I would the thought of putting it in coffee and it curding up turns my stomach over. Well, However, let me, let me just let's just get this out here just so everybody can be clear about Will Levis. He only did that a couple of times and he was doing it because he was trying to add more calories into his diet so he could keep up his jacked physique. If you say so. I mean, I'll go and give this guy some Reese cups if he wants to. I'd rather put Reese cups or Hershey syrup in my coffee over mayonnaise. But anyway, you're fat. I, I digress. My biggest question for the Tennessee Titans this year is I think their wide receiver core is very, very thin. Can they stay healthy? If DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks both stay healthy alongside a Derrick Henry running the rock in Tennessee, I think they have a chance to be very competitive and potentially win the division. I agree with that. My biggest concern is Traylon Burks and Hopkins. Both have not played a full season in the past two years. When I look at the Tennessee Titans roster, I see something very similar to the 2002 or 2001 Oakland Raiders, where they kind of brought on a bunch of older talent and tried to make it work and compete. I see a little bit of that in Tennessee right now. I'm not, I've never been a fan of Ryan Tannehill. I think he is a mid-tier Andy Dalton-level quarterback who could win you some games, but as many games as he's going to win you, he's going to lose you the same amount of games as possible. Derrick Henry, he's 29 years old. He's got a ton of carries on those legs. 
Now, I know we're out on running backs, and I know we don't like paying them. With that being said, Derrick Henry is something different than our standard running back. He is something. There's an exception to every rule, and he he is is, the exception. He is the exception to the rule. He is a defensive lineman in a, or he is a running back in a defensive lineman's body. He's massive. We have not seen any signs of him wearing down yet. I'm not sure if this is going to be the season coming up right now. I think he has a little bit of that Frank Gore mentality of, you know, basically run until my body falls apart. I think we're going to see some good things for Derrick Henry. I want to see if he's going to hold up. If not this year, in years past, if Derrick Henry has gone down, that was it. The season was pretty much over. He was their bread and butter. They addressed it this offseason. They drafted Tajay Spears, who I love at the running back position. He was my favorite running back coming out of this draft. That is over Bijan Robinson, mainly because of where they were going to get drafted. Tajay Spears is going to be a late second, early third round guy. Ended up going in the third round. I think he showed out during camp. He showed out during the preseason. He looks like he is going to be a dynamic playmaker for them. In terms of wide receiver, I'm all in on DeAndre Hopkins this year. I think last year he got a bad rep. A lot of people forget that he was suspended for the first eight games, and that's why his statistics were suppressed. But when he came back on the field, he looked like he hadn't lost a beat. I think he's going to be rejuvenated in Tennessee. Traylon Burks is the one that worries me. A lot of talent, big-bodied guy, can make a lot of plays down the field, can make a lot of plays over the middle as well. I think he's going to be a great compliment to DeAndre Hopkins. I'm worried about the health. Has never been able to stay healthy. And here is the biggest tidbit that I'm going to give anybody. And if you play fantasy, remember this name. The league is devoid of tight end talent. Chig Okonkwo is going to be an absolute stud. Caleb and I aren't in fantasy leagues with each other anymore, so I can say this. He is my target in every fantasy league out there. He is an athletic freak. He started putting it together at the end of last year. They started building their passing game around Chig. I think he is going to be a stud. I like the Tennessee Titans. They upgraded their offensive line. They brought in a few guys. They drafted Peter Skronsky out of Northwestern to kind of be a mauler up there for them. I'm all in on him. The defense is going to be stout as usual. Getting a little older, but they still have Jeffrey Simmons up there. Danico Autry has got a lot of playmaking ability. The linebacker room looks like it's shaping up a little bit, and they brought in Arden Key, Harold Landry's healthy again. And then this is the the team that just keeps drafting cornerbacks. Caleb Farley, Christian Fulton. They drafted they those guys. Sean Murphy Bunting. Roger McCreary showed a lot of promise last year. Like you said, Sean Murphy Bunting came in to operate in the slot. I really like this roster. They still have Imani Hooker and maybe the best safety in all of football and Kevin Bayard if he's has a little juice left in the tank. I know he's getting a little older. I think they're a real wild card. I think they're a real wild card in a weak AFC South. I think they're going to compete till the very end with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I love Mike Rabel. He's one of my favorite head coaches in the league. I think he's always going to, he's a player's coach. He's a a motivator. I think he's always going to get these guys ready to go. I think it's the best time to be competing in the AFC South too, with kind of a down roster. Um, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a two horse race and if they can stay healthy, I, I think they're going to compete with the Jaguars, but nothing's guaranteed in the NFL, and I just don't think that they will be healthy down the stretch. I, I foresee an injury happening to either Burks or Hopkins. It's, it's going to happen at some point. I mean, one of them is going to go down. If it doesn't, it's going to be nothing but of a miracle. But, Caleb, we made it through the AFC South. We have one division left to go, the AFC West. We're running out of time here, so we're going to make this quick. I don't know if there's a 
There's a lot of storylines here in the AFC West. There's a couple teams that can pay attention to. I think there is a very clear pecking order in the AFC West. I think it goes Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, and then Raiders. The wild card are the Denver Broncos. I agree with that. It's can Russ come back, you know, let Russ cook and let's ride. And let's um, see what Sean Payton has to offer this roster. That, is he going to be a calming influence there? I think he, he will be. He's going to write the ship. Now, he does have a detrimental blow to the beginning of the season. For the you guys that don't know you just yet, if you haven't been paying attention to the preseason news and up to date on the fantasy, Jerry Judy is actually going to be out for their projecting five, maybe six weeks going into the season. So the, their number one target is already injured heading into the season, which is a pretty big detriment to their offense. That yeah, means I mean, Cortland Sutton's got to pick up the slack, and I don't really know where they go after that. Maybe Kendall Hinton. Hinton. Um, they did have Tim Patrick, but he went down as well early yeah. early in training camp with an ACL. So I mean they've they've caught a they've caught a case of the injury bug in preseason, which is never good. Now they still do have the shining light of Tynan of Gray Dulcich. I love that guy. He was on my fantasy team last year. Did a heck of a good job um, after he came back from his injury last year. So that's a shining light. Um, defensively, I don't think they're terrible. They still have Patrick Serden on the edge out there uh, at corner. Um, what do you think about their defense? Uh, like you said, it kind of all starts, you know, by trading away Bradley Chubb, they traded away one of their best pass rushers. I know they. I don't know what they were actually thinking. I thought. That, I think for a split second they thought about doing a full scale fire sale of the roster mm-hmm. and just starting from scratch. And then somebody decided to pump the brakes on it and decided to give Russ another coach to work with. I went from being a massive Russell Wilson fan. I loved everything about the guy. I thought he was a genuine person. To now he he's a bit of a joke in NFL circles. I think his entire social media persona is comical at best i'm really out on russell wilson i'm not a big fan of his anymore um i think the way that he carried himself last year was was a clown show and then with the roster itself they've dealt with a lot of injuries the one guy that i was going to kind of pinpoint was javonta williams and he's banged up last he got he was banged up last year we don't know what he's going to look like going into the season this year I'm I'm fading the Denver Broncos. I'm not in on them this year. I think that they're going to be, you know, one of those eight, nine, maybe ten win teams potentially if things go right. I just think that with, like you said, with Jerry Judy going down and the injury happening there, I think that they're they're lacking playmakers. I don't know how it's going to happen. I, I think Cortland Sutton, who is a he's a fine wide receiver. I don't think he's a world world beater by any stretch, but he's a fine wide receiver. Got paid too, so good for him, but. I think their roster leaves a lot to be desired. Patrick Sertan, I love the guy. He's one of the premier young corners in the league. A lot of potential. Um, a lot of potential to be had there. I just think that they're going to be looking up for the majority of the season. Yeah, I, I mean, I know you said eight, nine, ten. I'm thinking more four, five, six range for uh, where they're going to finish out win wise. Oh wow! Oh wow! Well, there's a little bit of a, a difference there between you and I. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you yep. one team that is not looking down at anybody or looking up at anybody are the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't really want to spend too much time on them because they kind of are what they are. I do want to touch on the wide receivers a little bit. But what are your thoughts on the Kansas City Chiefs, Caleb? Yeah, I think the, the biggest news is, you know, 
their offensive line. Um, lost Orlando Brown Jr. They really thought they were going to get him back. Um, so it's really where things going to shake out on that side of things. But defense is solid. Offense, we know what Patty Mahomes does. We know what Travis Kelsey does. Um, Pachenko, is he going to run the ball how he did last year? Where are they going to go on that side of thing? You know, Andy Reid concocts up such a dynamic play calling scheme where, you know, a running back might have a heck of a first five games of the season and they never use them again. So that was what happened with uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire last year. They used the crap out of him for four games. He was putting up like 20 points um, fantasy wise per game and then never saw the field ever again. Now, and that's the one that I'm actually surprised about, to be honest with you, Caleb. I thought for sure. I thought for sure they were going to move on from Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I thought they were going to try to trade him for a late round pick or something like that, just to try to get recoup some value while he still has some, but they didn't. I mean, he's still there on the roster, so we'll see what it looks like. But like you said, I think it's going to be the Isaiah Pacheco show. He's going to be the thunder to uh, surprisingly not Jarek McKinnon's lightning who saw a massive uh, touch share last year down the stretch and looked great by the way, for the Kansas city chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, we know who he is. He's the best quarterback in football. He's a half a billion dollar. Yes, I said that right, and I'm sure everybody knows it. Half a billion dollar quarterback. He is the elite of the elite. He's the cream of the crop this year. Once again, though, kind of like last offseason, they're looking at a wide receiver room that is got a lot of question marks about it. You know, They brought in a couple of guys. They drafted a couple of guys. Someone that I'm really high on. I know that the, kind of the returner that they have there is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is he's a solid wide receiver. And I do think that this is the biggest storyline for the Chiefs this year. And then who else do they have on that roster? They have a bunch of guys with potential and a bunch of young guys. And none of them have really put it together just yet. So who's going to step up? And I'm looking mainly at Sky Moore, Rishi Rice, and Justin Ross. Those are the three guys that I have on my radar that I'm looking at. And why I throw Justin Ross in there, and this is a, a little, a little uh, knowledge nugget for all of you NFL fans out there about Justin Ross. Justin Ross going into the 2022 NFL draft was seen as a first-round pick, potentially the best wide receiver in that draft coming out. Suffered a spinal column injury. None of the no team in the NFL would touch the guy. Massive. He's six foot four. He was the primo wide receiver on those Clemson teams that were competing for competing for national championships. Got beat up his last year, went undrafted. The only team that would sign him were the Kansas City Chiefs. They gave him a year to recoup and re uh, refresh his body. They said he's got a clean bill of health. He's come out and he's looked great so far this year. Reese Rice, an elite-level deep threat, maybe the best deep threat at wide receiver in this past draft. And then Sky Moore, who is beloved by a lot of NFL circles in last year's NFL draft. Didn't really put it together last year too much, but has a lot of potential. Their defense, stout. They have a lot of, they've got a bunch of good players. But, you know, the one thing that I think we should talk about is Chris Jones, who has been a little off and a little hesitant to really invest with the Kansas City Chiefs. So, what are your thoughts overall? uh, Yeah. So, that's the next point that I was getting into is that Chris Jones stated that he would ride this, uh, this holdout all the way until I think week eight. Um, currently, I think he's getting fined. I think it's somewhere like close to a million dollars per week ish. 
Um, but yeah, they said he's definitely willing to sit out until week eight unless they get a contract uh, done. Yeah, and the last that and I he's heard, forfeiting his game checks of one point one million every contest. That's right. No, and the last that I've been hearing about Chris Jones is I've been hearing that the Chiefs just don't have the financial flexibility to actually pay him what he's looking for. So I think that there is a very high level of potential for him to get moved before during the beginning of this season. I know that's going to hurt a lot. He is one of the premier interior pass rushers on that roster. So I think they're going to take a hit defensively. They also lost a couple. They lost um, Charkandrick Ward, or not Charkandrick Ward, Charveris Ward, who was a solid cornerback for them. Um, they lost a little bit of talent on that defense. Um, they, there's some questions there, and they plugged it with uh, not exactly the elite cream of the crop talent there. So I'm interested to see how it plays out. I'm really paying attention to that wide receiver room, mainly because it's Patrick Mahomes. So whoever is starting there is going to put up, is going to have some type of value. He's going to make an impact on that team. I think it's going to be Justin Ross. I'm looking for him to make some massive plays for this roster. But overall, they are still the favorites to repeat as Super Bowl contenders. We made it the entire assessment without even bringing up Travis Kelsey, who just seems to continuously be rumbling along entering into his age 34 soon to be age 35 season coming up so actually 34 age 34 season so i mean there is um there's a lot of i mean they're they're this they're in the afc they are the cream of the crop they are at the top they are looking down at everyone right now yep that's the super bowl runs through kansas city still and I wish the optimism could be said top down for the rest of the roster, the rest of the AFC West, but it is not. And that kind of leads us to a team that is in a transitional period right now. We don't know what they're going to look like. I, I mean, some people would call it a dumpster fire. Some people would say there's potential there. The Las Vegas Raiders. Caleb, I'm going to let you touch this one, but Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo, we didn't Jimmy even know G. if he was going to be on the roster, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, when I was looking at this, the other day, I was like thinking to myself, outside of Jimmy G, who's the next quarterback on the roster? And I couldn't put my finger on it until I actually looked it up. And the backup QB is Brian Hoyer, who then I responded with, I can't believe that dude's still in the league. So Props to him. He went undrafted, too, back in 2009, coming out of Michigan State. So I'll give him props. I mean, he's turned I, in a nice career. 100% agree. I mean, the roster on the offensive side, outside of the quarterback position. It really isn't bad. You got Josh Jacobs running the ball, had a fantastic year last year. And he's signed now. It's signed now. You picked up Michael Meyer or Mayer out of, he's a local kid out here out of Cincinnati. He went to CovCath and then went to uh, Notre Dame. Real freak of an athlete at tight end. So that's always promising. Uh, and then you pair him up alongside, you know, Devontae Adams. Um, they have Philip Dorsett. Um, Jacoby Myers uh, that they got from New England yeah. uh, a couple years ago. So, I mean, on the offensive side, they're not terrible. So they're they're kind of like the Titans. They're kind of almost in that in-between where it's like, do we actually play? Do we tear it down? Do we try to continuously rebuild? And so I think they're just in this weird purgatory of they're not going to be a playoff contention team, but they're not going to be bad enough to really get that star player in the NFL draft next year. No. And I mean, they, they still have Chandler Jones there on the defensive side of the ball. Who's a good pass rusher. Apparently he said that he's in the best shape of his career this year. So I'm looking for a big bounce back for him. 
We didn't mention Hunter Renfro operating in the slot there. So, I mean, who essentially looks like me or Caleb playing wide receiver in the NFL. So, I, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on why is Hunter Renfro successful in the NFL because I, I just don't get it, but he is. So props to him. But, yeah, not a lot to talk about about this team. I think that you said the, who is the other quarterback on the Las Vegas Raiders. Just, and I'll to, give the, just to uh, make a point real quick, not to diver off of that your subject right there. Hunter Renfro is 5'10", 185. Hunter yeah, Renfro and, and I are the exact same height and weight. Actually, yeah. I weigh like five pounds less, but yeah. If you actually look at him too, he just looks like a frat kid. He looks so, not not a lot of muscle mass on the guy there. I'm I I am really I'm really questioning why is he successful. Gives in all the, the white kids hope out there. All he the under, undersized white kids. Nope, for sure. All those white kids from the suburbs that play uh, airing it out with that uh, that uh, that Nerf Air Max. That's definitely where he learned how to play ball. But. My answer to you, Caleb, in terms of you asked before, who is the other only other quarterback on the roster? Yeah, Brian Hoyer's there. But the answer is Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, I, I, I truly believe that they are looking at the future. They're looking at that next elite level young guy that's going to be coming out. I think that they're going to be in contention for either either Caleb Williams or Drake May. They're going to be one of those two guys that are, are going to be on this roster come next year. Um, not a lot of optimism there. I think Josh Jacobs, I have so many questions about Josh Jacobs. It's not even funny. Is he going to be, you know, he's had motivational questions his entire career. I know they just signed him to a one year, $12 million deal. What is he going to churn in? Is he going to be great? And then with their draft, I wasn't in love with it. I mean, they drafted Tyree Wilson out of Texas tech to be their primo, like pass rushing specialist, but the one thing coming out about him is he is incredibly raw. And like, I know you mentioned Max Crosby, who is one of the premier defensive players in the league, but I think that they are looking heavily at quarterbacks in next year's draft, because the one thing we've known about Jimmy Garoppolo, while he's solid, he's not going to, he's not going to win you games. He's not going to lose you games, but he's not going to win you games either. I have a really funny story about Jimmy G that is not arable. So if anybody wants to tweet at me or hit me in the DM, I will send it over to you. But I cannot put that one on air. But it pr- provides a, a little glimpse into the, the real life of who Jimmy G actually is. Is this who I, he was seen entering a nightclub with? No, no. This is, uh, this is back uh, on the Patriot days. Okay. I may so, DM you yeah, myself. Lo- long time ago. Yeah, I don't know if I've actually told you this story, so. We might have to talk about that one off air, but it's it's pretty juicy. Um, but to your point, I think this roster is a very good roster outside of the quarterback position. Is it I a certain adult a nice film actress? Rookie, juicy quarterback that has a lot of potential. The Raiders go from this weird, like maybe four win team, five win team to a very good playoff team for years to come that when the Jets lose Rodgers, this is the next team I see slotting up into that uh, divisional winner or contention winner, I, I should say, because I don't think they're still beating the Chiefs in the next like four years. But they could do some damage like the Jaguars did last year, making the wild card and knocking off a team or two. Well, time will tell. We'll see. I think the eh, maybe you may be right, but we'll see. I'm not in on the Raiders or I'm not in on the Raiders this year, but a team that I am in on in this division 
the Los Angeles Chargers. And I will go ahead and say a few words about this. There was a surprising cut this this off this actually today. Um, we all know Justin Herbert. He is the starter there. The LA Chargers released Max Dugan, former Heisman runner-up from last year, didn't make a roster going into his rookie season, which was a little surprising to me. I mean, he's a sixth-round pick, so it shouldn't be too surprising. But I think the story with the LA Chargers going into the 2023 season is, are they going to stay healthy? This was a team last year that had one of the best rosters in all of football. Talent on the offense, massive talent on the defense, and you have Justin Herbert, and everybody got hurt. Herbert got hurt. I mean, their wide receivers, both of them, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, both hurt last year. Tight end, kind of a dumpster fire. Defensive side of the ball, Joey Bosa was hurt. Defensive side of the ball as well. J.C. Jackson, the prized free agent acquisition of the 2022 offseason, he got hurt last year and didn't really play very much at all. But they have talent all across the board. I like. I love the combination to pass rush with Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack coming in. I think that's a really nasty pass rush duo. If they can stay healthy, they're going to wreak havoc on defenses or offenses in the league. The wide receiver room got even stronger with Quentin Johnston. I also love Josh Palmer, so I have to throw him in there. I really do like Josh Palmer produced sevenfold when he saw the field last year. And they still have Austin Eckler. So, I mean, um, Austin Eckler and they drafted Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. So, I mean... I'm really high on the Chargers if they can stay healthy this year. I'm optimistic about them. Man, not even on the roster, but dealing with the front office, they've been suffering through abysmal injuries year after year for years now. And I really have some massive questions about the training staff because it seems like year in and year out, they always have a slew of guys on injured reserve that are always suffering from these soft tissue injuries. And it has been a reoccurring thing every year. But if they can stay healthy, they have a chance to supplant the Chiefs, who are kind of looking into a little bit of a down year. But I think that they could be in contention with the Chiefs and may sneak a game or two. And once again, it all really kind of comes back to, is Justin Herbert going to be the playmaker that we all think he can be? I think it's that L.A. weather out there, man. They just uh, they get used to that 80-degree, 75, 90-degree weather. And then they got to go up to Lambeau and play in the tundra, and you know your body just doesn't adjust to to that type of you know hit when it's cold out when you're used to 70, 80, 90 degree practice weather all week long. So that, I mean that could be attributed to it. I'm not saying that it is, but yeah, the the injury bug for sure bit them last year. I think that's the reason why the Jaguars got in uh, over this team. I would slate them as a wild card team for sure and a team that could do some damage going into the playoffs this year. I think they're going to do a lot. I think they would do a lot of damage. I mean, just looking at their wide receiver room, you have Justin Herbert. You've got a good wide, good running back with, with C, uh, Isaiah Spiller and Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler especially. But you had Quinton Quinton Johnson to a wide receiver room of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And then you've got Josh Palmer kind of locking it down as the number four guy there. Jalen Guyton had some run there last year. I'm incredibly optimistic, and on the defensive side of the ball, like we've, like I already mentioned before, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, that is a scary pass rushing duo. And you know, in Joey Bosa, you know he's got that big brother syndrome. I'm looking for a massive year out of Joey Bosa up there and or down there in LA. You know, his brother Nick Bosa won Defensive Player of the Year last year. 
Joey Bosa's got to be feeling a little bit of the family heat there to really produce and put together a nice season. And I would be remissed. I know we're running short on time. And when I was running down the roster a little bit early, a little bit ago, I didn't even mention Derwin James at safety. That is should that's almost a crime. Didn't mention the one of the best playmakers at safety in the entire National Football League, if not the best playmaker at safety. And Asante Samuel Corner as well. I should have mentioned him as well. But I like the roster. I think I, I expect big things from him. Uh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is like a just to reiterate, I think this is a hundred percent a playoff team. I think they're going to slide in at the wild card. I think they'll be the top wild card spot, maybe the second wild card spot, um, and then look to do some damage and knock off a team or two in the playoffs. I could see them rolling into like a Buffalo or um, maybe even an AFC North team and knocking them off for sure. Oh, I agree. I mean, it's going to be a fun. It's going to be fun to see how this division plays out. I mean, it's going to be. I think it's definitely. Maybe the second or the it's it's in contention for the second best division in the AFC. Maybe the third division, definitely the third, if not the second. But the AFC man this year, kind of uh, to bring everything back together. The AFC is going to be so much fun to watch this year. It's a loaded with loaded with talent. I'd have no, I have I think we have like three or four teams that we can kind of pencil in as the cream of the crop, the premier teams in the in the conference. But the rest of the teams, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath to see who, how these teams all fit in when it comes to the end of the season. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I am optimistic. I am. I'm. I'm so happy that football is back. It is so refreshing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the division to watch. Um, I think the AFC is just completely loaded with talent. Quarterback play is exceptionally high. Um, obviously, you have the NFL MVP, and then. I think the next two were still in contention with Josh Allen and Burrow for NFL MVP as well last year. So three out of four NFL MVPs are quarterbacks, and then you added an old NFL and Super Bowl winner MVP and Aaron Rodgers. So the division just got even stiffer from last year. I feel that. I feel that. It's going to be fun to watch it all unwind. But that kind of does it, does it for this episode, this third, this third it episode. It. What was that? You said it does it. It does it. That does it. I'm channeling my inner Kentucky accent there. But that does it for this episode. I am so stellar and so stoked to be back. Thank you guys for listening. Next week's show, you know, we have this one-week lull before the start of the NFL season. So next week we will be back with our own preview, our episode debuting on Wednesday before football starts on Thursday. So we got a lot of homework to be doing planning on it Caleb next week we're going to be kind of doing our overall thoughts of what we can expect for this season and we're going to be doing our preseason award prediction show so we're going to be predicting who we think is going to be MVP who do we think is going to be defensive player of the year rookie of the year so on and so forth so we're going to be going over all of that next week I am super stoked about it Caleb do you have anything else you want to add before we sign off here just wish it was one week closer to uh the season starting no, I agree. It's just one more week for us to create content and debate, which I always enjoy. I always enjoy that so, so, so much. But thank you guys for listening. It's been a pleasure. If you like what you hear, please like, subscribe to our channel. Please download. Every little bit helps a little bit. Stay tuned. Stay plugged in. And football is back, baby. Unbelievable. Double coverage. He split the defenders. And he makes the score. Five seconds left.
for the win for all intents and purposes. The play clock running. Culpepper making an audible. Drops the ball, picks it up. He's going to go in for it, and he will make it. Dante Culpepper gets two, and the Vikings sideline has gone nuts. This team that we're looking for next year, we're improving now for the future. And what a play by Dante. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong in that play.